How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On NFL Draft. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting, joined, as always, by Kyle Crabb, who is the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, and we are the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. It is a busy time of year. We are uh, in East-West Shrine Game Week. Next week is the Senior Bowl. Uh, it's the deadline to declare for underclassmen for the NFL Draft. And uh, this is just, this it's draft season like in full force. And it is an exciting time here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. We've got a lot planned for you over the coming months, uh, in the coming weeks. I mean, it's going to be uh, locked and loaded every single day with big time NFL draft news, reaction, analysis. We are here for you. We are your on-demand source for NFL Draft audio content. So whatever you're doing, driving somewhere, you're at home, at the gym, at work, we are at your disposal to, uh, You know, five days a week right here for you. So, Kyle, what's up, man? I know this is a busy time, and it's exciting. I know we live for this stuff. Yeah, man, we are living the dream. This is, uh, this is a four-month Super Bowl for us, right? It's yeah, you're not kidding. So, so it's it's a a wonderful third of the year, and uh, we get to follow it up with some downtime in between. Um, but I, I I don't know about you, but this, this is like the most excited I have been for a draft season to actually start uh, ever. Like it's it, a fun it, group. It, yeah, it's the prospects. The prospects are great. Yeah, and it, it's it's you and I have have so much going on mutually between us where. This is the first year I'm kind of carrying it into it with like uh, somebody to experience like this whole process with, and we still have our own unique evaluations. But you know, we're going to be watching the same 300 players this year, you know, and, and making all those evaluations and talking about them on this platform and social media and NDTScouting.com, and uh, it, it's just a, a, the stars are really aligning for this to be just an outstanding four months for you and me. Who, who knew when we were driving to Mobile, Alabama last uh, last year, where we would be at this point uh, in 2017? It, it, this is incredible. Yeah, this is um, good stuff. And, and Joe, I'm looking forward to, uh, in just six short days, watching uh, the championship games with you in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, we're going to have to leave early Sunday morning to make sure that our asses are planted in somewhere that has a TV in front of us so we can watch that. But uh, 
we, we will we will cross that bridge here next weekend. Uh, today on the podcast, we want to focus in on the underclassmen. Uh, today is the day, the last day that you can declare for the draft, and then the finalists will come out on the 20th. But uh, we have a pretty good idea of, of everyone that's that's in. Um, and just kind of running through the the list here and, and the positions, uh, right now we stand at 94 early um, declarations. Position breakdown, we have six quarterbacks, 18 running backs, 23 wide receivers, three tight ends, six offensive linemen, nine defensive linemen, six edge defenders, nine linebackers, seven cornerbacks, seven safeties. Kyle, when you hear those numbers, anything stand out to you? Uh yeah, there there's going to be some some really good wide receivers and running backs that go undrafted. Yeah. Uh, no that, question. that's kind of the first gut reaction because the these are both strong uh senior groups too. And and then you, you get into the the wide receivers uh just just to kind of kick you off and guys like uh Carlos Henderson and Chris Godwin and uh Juju Smith-Schuster and Sheldon Gibson, who we'll be talking about a little bit more uh, a little later on in the show, but like, and, and then if you want to call Bucky Hodges a a, a wide receiver, it, there's like, I, I think the average is like 31 wide receivers get drafted, but look at like the All Star Circuit wide receiver groups this year, and they're like they're all really good players, and then you have this massive influx of of extra talent on top of that, and. and you know, for the work that we we're going to be doing this this winter and spring, we have um, a, a list. Uh, Joe, I think we're capped at thirty five wide receivers at least until we finish our three hundred, and then we can open up. I don't Man. know. We're going to have to cut some names. That's going to be tough. Yeah, and here's what's interesting about just this broad picture. The last three years, basically thirty three percent of all the underclassmen that declared didn't get drafted, and. Uh, kind of to your point with a fairly strong senior class that could be a higher number this year and that'd be unfortunate but that's kind of where this these numbers and ba- and past history tells us where this could go yeah and it's um it just just when i look at the macros um and what i mean by that is is the positional breakdown of who's coming out and and uh what the players were uh, i think all the quarterbacks that decided that they were going to make a run, um, made a good decision, right? Like maybe Caius should have reconsidered because I'm not quite as as high there. Um, but uh, Mahomes didn't have anything else to prove at Texas Tech. Do I think he's the most dra- NFL ready? No, but at the same time, he he's not going to get any further growth, and he kind of is what he is as far as his raw skill set. Uh, Trubisky. Uh, lightning in a bottle. I think he really would have been subjected to the over-analysis if he came back for another year, uh, just so that he could check the box and say he had more than 13 starts. Um, Deshaun Watson uh, obviously was a no-brainer. He, he would have been a high draft selection last year if he was eligible. Uh, so I think that's the group that I really feel like the best about as far as the guys that came out. Like You can go through almost every other positional group and, and say – uh, you know what, maybe this guy should have gone back, that guy should have called back. And 
Kai is kind of in that boat for me, but it's there. There's no egregious declaration in the quarterback group where I think you can go through and see a couple guys at each position otherwise and say, I don't really know what he's thinking or what his motivation is, or I hope this works for him because I don't think it's going to be you know, a, a favorable end result. The one, uh, the one quarterback that I think you could maybe make that case for, and I know you liked his tape. Uh, more than I expected you to, it, Gerard Evans from Virginia Tech. Um, but uh, every, yeah, like you said, to your point, it, it all seems reasonable. But what's interesting is when you think about the quarterbacks, uh, you know, when we're looking at the senior uh, senior bowl group for next year, it might be a little thin here with so many uh, yeah. of the of the guys you pegged. I mean, we've got like Luke Falk and Josh Allen, JT Barrett. I mean, those are going to be, well, Mason Rudolph. So, yeah, there, I mean, there's a few guys, but um, – you know, the, the the senior quarterback seems to be uh, kind of a dying thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's I'm interested to see the ramifications. Uh, we've referenced this as well uh, with these um, early feedback results that that softballs are going to be able to get at, at the pro mm-hmm. days this spring, and see if in two years the cycle doesn't kind of uh, reset itself. We don't see some, some more players stay and, and kind of get an influx in talent um, kind of across the board because it it really feels like this is an abnormal year that the seniors across the board are so sharp because typically it's been depleted by guys that have come out one or two years early every year. Yeah, and so let's take some time here and get into a few guys that over the last week or 10 days that have declared since we've last touched base on underclassmen on the show uh, that, um, that you know, intrigue you. So um, why don't you get us started with that? Yeah, let's talk about Sheldon Gibson. You know, kind of dropped the nugget early on. Um, I've had a chance to see West Virginia games each of the past three years live and in person, and um, he's a fun football player. He tracks the football really well. Uh, he is a deep vertical receiver with with some blazing speed and his ability to adjust his routes late and carry speed as his eyes are up to track uh, the the ball in its flight is a really nice trait that that's going to have him probably be an impact player um, in a, a limited capacity you know make no mistake this is not uh, the super polished style of receiver, but um, I think that that Gibson uh, has the ability to develop if you put him on that quote unquote three year plan, right? Like uh, inevitably, some of these guys just take a little longer to develop than others, uh, and, and Gibson strikes me as that kind of player because he has his trait that he does very well, and you see flashes with his hands and, and his short area. Uh, ability to to have a greater impact in other areas and he is very smooth on his route stems it's just a matter of or his route breaks it's just a matter of him adjusting his route stems and uh, uh, being more effective creating open windows and and too frequently down the stretch this year defenses were able to really take away Sheldon Gibson uh, by shading coverage and uh, it, it was kind of a bummer because he had a really explosive start to the year and caught my attention and had me talking him up on the show and and then he kind of fell silent and and had a couple of games where he was near, nearly goose-egged or goose-egged. So um, I think this is a player to watch as a potential uh, 
early day three style player because he has a trait that that should translate immediately. He has a very good vertical skill set and uh, is is a name to watch because he has had a lot of explosive plays from from West Virginia. My first guy that I want to mention, he made me sweat it out. I didn't know if he was going to declare, and I'm referring to Vanderbilt linebacker Zach Cunningham, who, if you guys listen throughout the season when we were uh, focused in on you know, evaluating the, the football on a weekly basis that was coming our way, uh, I raved about this guy, and uh, I'm excited to see him declare. I think he uh, should go in the top 20, 25 picks at the latest, and uh, he's exciting. Six four two thirty so he's a long uh lean athletic linebacker fast flowing uh can play sideline to sideline very strong reactionary skills good tackler uh can play in coverage he can you know blitz uh, do, do everything like literally everything and so uh in this nfl where your linebackers need to be able to cover ground and chase and pursue and uh, he, he does all that stuff he and, and it's just the, the plus reactionary skills is where i get really excited how quickly he diagnoses plays um so uh, he's a guy that i'm looking forward to seeing at the combine i think he can have a really strong showing there and uh you know right there be well you know reuben foster is kind of in, in a world of his own in terms of linebacking prospects. But uh, if you're not going to be able to secure Reuben Foster, you're probably going to need a top five or ten pick to get him. You know, Zach Cunningham is a really nice consolation prize a little bit later in the first round. So quite excited to see him uh, him enter this talent pool. Yeah, man, that's a good football player. Um, as much as I want to talk about guys like uh, David Njoku and uh, Ardarius Stewart... Uh, I'm going to give some love to uh, a defensive lineman, and he's from the SEC, and he's he might not be the name uh, you'd be expecting. Let's talk about Caleb Brantley, Joe. I, I know um, you ha- you have a soft spot for for Florida Gator defensive players and and the Florida Gators in general, so. I, I figured I'd uh, give you a little treat, and let's talk about Caleb Brantley. Say nice things. Yes, well, it's easy to with Caleb because he's a yeah. nice he's a nice football player. Uh, his impact goes well beyond the box sheet because he does does not have stats that you would expect to see as far as a, a potential first round player. But holy cow! You know, there there's some guys on the defensive line that get by with. Snap anticipation. There's some guys that get by with explosiveness, and there's guys like Caleb Brantley who get by with both. <laughs> he's he's listed six two three fourteen um, as a penetration defender. Is really effective at uh, getting off the ball and beating blocks and crossing face of blockers and uh, causing havoc at the mesh point. And, and as lo- uh, running backs are trying to press the line of scrimmage. Uh, his ability to get off the snap, you don't need to go any further than the Michigan Bowl game last year and watch him beat a down block, a pulling guard, and a fullback on a single rep on a trap play. And it, it, it's a perfect encapsulation of what he does well. And this year, the splash plays weren't there, the production was not notably high, but anytime you turned on the Florida tape, he's in the backfield. He's rerouting the back. He, he's he's allowing teammates in pursuit to close in and make plays on the ball. So uh, a, a name to put a star next to because he's he's a really, really nice penetration-style three-tech in, in a four-man front, and he can rush the passer, and his hands are, are, are strong. They've got good pop. 
Uh, he checks a lot of boxes that I really like. I uh, I pegged him to Atlanta in my latest mock draft for FanRag Sports, and that would be a fun fit on that attacking, aggressive, penetrating-style defense. So uh, I'm glad we're on the same page with Mr. Caleb Brantley. Um, next guy I want to dig into here is Curtis Samuel, Ohio State offensive player, whatever you want to call him, running back, wide receiver. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter this week, what position should he play? I don't think you need to define it. You know, Just get him on the field and get him touches, much like what you're seeing Andy Reid do with uh, Tyreek Hill in Kansas City and all the production he was able to have this year. I think it's the same type of impact that a Curtis Samuel can have. Uh, this guy, when Ohio State got him involved, and you know, it was it was – really prolific he uh 771 rushing yards 865 receiving yards average you know eight yards of carry running the ball 11 per reception scored 15 touchdowns i mean just just the all-around all production and, and it's it's because he's such a dynamic player with the ball in his hands uh he's he's obviously explosive and, and he sees the field well and he has the type of breakaway speed that makes him a game changer every single time he touches the ball a home run threat so uh i can see you know i can see this guy really being a, a difficult guy for the nfl defenses to account for and um i think he's going to have a lot of value and um you know obviously uh, the tyree kill narrative is is an easy one to follow but obviously a much cleaner prospect uh and curtis samuel and, and i'll be really curious to see where he ultimately gets drafted because uh he is he is really coming in on the heels uh, of that Tyree Kill impact, and uh, I can see another team. You know, it's a copycat league. Someone's going to want to find their version of, of that type of player, and uh, and Curtis Samuel is the guy that perfectly fits that mold. So dynamic player that that's going to, you know, I think he's got a real chance to be a productive player uh, right away in the NFL. Joe, your comp is all wrong. Is it? What? It's Percy Harvin. Ah, Percy Harvin. Okay. It's well, Percy you know, Harvin. The last few years of Percy Harvin uh, for me have been okay. Have been pretty not, not the Buffalo version. No, <laughs> University of Florida version. Yeah, I know that. Now that's my Percy Harvin. Right yes, there. that that Percy Harvin. But those, I mean, they're few and far between guys that can actually do that. Yeah, uh, he, we we say it all the time about these treat. guys. He, yeah, it's it's really easy to kind of get wrapped up and say, oh, he can catch, he can run. Um, but not a lot of guys have the polish in both areas of, of the game, right? Like, like he can legitimately do either one. He's like, like Tavon Austin's a perfect example. Like everybody wanted to peg Tavon Austin into that style of role, but it, it's hard to have a skill set that can translate and be effective in both of those roles. And I think, Harvin, if not for the head issues that he had as far as, you know, the migraines and concussions and other durability issues, um, would have been like a unicorn in that regard. And and now we have Curtis Samuel who can hopefully stay a little healthier throughout his career and really has an opportunity to be a special football player. Can create offense for sure. Now, Joe, I, I think we wanted to get into a couple head scratchers as well. Is that that correct just just talk about maybe a guy yeah. that we're kind of we well, can fast track those right <laughs> yeah yeah we can do that um i i was going to talk about a florida gator here but uh 
I made the uh, the audible with the line of scrimmage to talk about Caleb Brantley as a player that I like. So um, I'm going to opt to talk about uh, the only Georgia Bulldog to declare early as somebody who's a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver, kick return guy, um, 5'8", 170 pounds. Uh, production is, is not particularly strong. Um, he's quick. He, he's an effective return guy, but so was um, DeMarcus Ayers from Houston, and uh, I don't believe he got drafted, and he came out early. And, and this is similar stature here. So there, you got strikes against this guy in that his wide receiver's tape is, is it's a, a good college football player for wide receiver tape. You've got size concerns. He was apparently completely checked out as far as he was ready to come out last year if he would have been draft eligible, but he wasn't. Um, and it's an absolutely loaded position group. So for me, McKenzie, um, I don't know what his motivation is specifically, um, but I don't see it ending favorably when it comes time for the actual draft process to play out and, and the, the names are picked at the end of April. I'll, I'll go with with the Florida Gator that you, you were mentioning, and I'll just kind of couple him with the Florida State guy that I was planning on talking about, and, and that's both offensive tackles, David Sharp out of Florida and Roderick Johnson out of Florida State. Um, for, you know, Roderick Johnson obviously entered his Florida State career with a lot of fanfare, highly regarded prospect, um, and he's got all the accolades that you would expect after a couple seasons at Florida State, except for if you watch the tape, guy gets beat over and over and over again a, a nightmare in terms of technique um long and 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 he's long i'll give him that he's got a long prototypical build but in terms of a blocker i mean the footwork is is highly inconsistent the punch is inconsistent and um you know it, bottom line is he gets beat all the time and and so not quite uh the guy that i envision entering the nfl next year and having to block oh you know cameron wake and uh and justin houston and all of those types of players so uh that's hard to envision um he needs a lot of work and i'll be interested probably a situation there where he uh trying to capitalize on a, a weak offensive tackle class and the guys at the top of the list and garrett Bowles. there's question marks there about his age and some technique things and ryan ramchek who's coming in with some hip issues so the top guys um uh, could leave you know something to be desired so i i guess i can understand from that regard but uh nowhere near ready to to contribute in the nfl uh right away same thing with david sharp um not quite the fanfare surrounding his recruitment, but um, you know, he's he's been a average to below average offensive tackle for Florida. Um, a little bit flashier, maybe for than Roderick Johnson. Uh, there, there's some favorable moments when I watch David Sharp, but some somebody who I again thought was highly inconsistent and, and needed at least another season to uh, to improve. You know, just a lot of work to do and. and um, I would have liked to see them do that at the college level and come into the NFL a little bit more polished. So those are my two head scratchers. I guess I get it in terms of a weak offensive line class, but uh, uh, underwhelming, I think, when everyone gets to those guys' tape eventually. Uh, color me shocked. Joe double-dipped again. <laughs> That's, hey, it's fine, man. You just try to get as much information out there as I can. All right, you know what? I'm, I'm going to steal one here before we close. Uh, I like not a head Not a head scratcher, but a name to put a star next to. Al-Qadin Muhammad. Defensive end from University of Miami. 
I don't know if anybody had seen. He was dismissed from the program due to uh, some potential NCAA violations over the summer. Uh, had been suspended for the season opener of the year before his redshirt sophomore or his sophomore season. Um, but go back and watch Muhammad play when Miami played University, or Florida State uh, back in 2015. And that is a really nice microcosm of what this guy can be if all the boxes check. Six foot three, 250 pounds, twitched and can bend. And he's got some pop in those hands. He knows how to use them to really stun offensive linemen. And when at first contact, it's just getting off of blocks. And consistency with his angle and play processing is not quite there yet. But Holy cow, he's got a really great physical package for somebody to work with. And as a low-profile player, he was supposed to transfer to a lower uh, level of competition and play this year. That did not work out. Uh, So there's questions about what kind of shape he's in. Uh, But he has declared. He's coming out. He's making himself eligible. And I I hope he gets a combine invite because I'd be willing to bet you he jumps through the roof and runs pretty quick. So Al-Qadim Muhammad put a star next to that name. Remember it. That is, that is going to do it for us today on Locked On NFL Draft. Um, this time next week, Joe and I will be recording episode 100 live in Mobile, Alabama. We'll have picked up our credentials. We'll be ready for weigh-ins on Tuesday morning. Uh, it's going to be great, so make sure you guys subscribe to the show. Follow along. Follow along for the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the whole nine yards. Uh, we're going to be there for, for all of it. We're going to bring you guys a ton of great content on a week-to-week basis, and we're really looking forward to it. We've gotten some great feedback about the show. If you personally have some feedback that that, um, you would like to give us, you can reach us on social media. Uh, Joe is at the Joe Marino, and I am at NDT Scouting on Twitter. Uh, You can also reach us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting. You can leave us feedback with with your ratings in iTunes for Locked On NFL Draft. Uh, We're not hard to find. We're in the top 75 on on Sports and Rec podcasts on the the, – the iTunes big board. So we're moving up. Stock is moving up. We have that uh, to thank to you, the listeners, for your continued support and, and uh, continuing to spread the word and, and help get us out there. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing just how big this thing can get throughout the course of the next four months. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow uh, with another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Locked On NFL Draft. Your daily podcast on the NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17